Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Oh, what's up? You tell me what's up. I, I I think you you look you've come in rather chipper, but there's a look of deflation on that puss of yours. Well, I'm, I've come in chipper because it's my this it's is your duty because I try to be professional because <laughs> I try to be professional. Yeah. But full disclosure, I don't know when you're listening to this. Um, my Phillies were were no hit in a World Series game just moments ago. I would say that it is. I mean, you're all sports fans listening to this. You've all experienced highs and lows within short order. If I think of the most deflating losses in my life, it's right up there. Now, like the only the only saving grace of it is that, like, the series is tied two two, yeah. so nothing is decided. Like, it's all there for them to still go and do this, uh, but like to be no hit at home in a world series is coming off of like the joy of the game before. I mean, it's, it's, it's just the definition of deflating. I, I, I almost can't believe that it just happened. I'm just trying to convince myself that like, it, it just counts the same as if they had lost five, four, like you have to think of it that way. It's embarrassing, but like in terms of the, in terms of the scope of the actual series, it doesn't really matter any more or less than a regular loss, but it is it is not the side of history that you want to be on. But anyway, uh, let, why? Why? I don't. Wa- I don't want to do this on this I, podcast. I will say this: I, I talked to a buddy of mine, and uh, he wants me, and I kind of want to. If they go on and win the World Series, 
like I don't want to I don't want to compromise the integrity of this podcast. But would you allow me? Like, what if we did the the pod? We would do a regular pod, but then like you could leave. Anybody who who doesn't give a damn could all leave, and then like I could live out a dream of mine and and then continue the podcast, but like do a Phillies World Series special on the end of of this for people who I'd want be it. I'd be fine with it. Um, I I think there's a lot of our listeners have suggested after you wanted to do a Twitter space about the Phillies on caught offside. I'd be okay with it. I mean, your passion for sport is, is amazing. And it's what drives this podcast. So if you want to bloviate and pontificate and celebrate and luxuriate in the Phillies, go for it. I think it's a good thing. I have no problem with it. My, my, my passion for Philadelphia sport is it's insane. It's what, what drives me, but that is, this is the wrong time to be bringing that up. Like I said, a no hitter just happened and it it wasn't for my team. Oh, let's talk soccer though. <laughs> this after all is a soccer podcast. Is it not JJ? So much to get into the champions league group stage is decided. That's it. So uh, we'll go through some of the winners and losers and focus in on the, uh, the matches of note from the past couple of days. There were a couple, there were, there couple. were some, and, and you were on the happy side of history in a, in one of those games that we're going to focus on. But before we do anything, Andrew, it's time for the self-promotion, the part that we don't like mm. doing because we're humble guys. But please continue to like, rate, review, subscribe across all our platforms. Things have slowed down on the old, on the old Apple iTunes. We need more reviews on there. We need more reviews on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever. And also get on our YouTube page, which has gotten off to, let's be honest, a stunning start. Um, we, I can't even believe it. Why? Especially when you told me about the the video quality. (laughs) Well, listen, all those things are going to be ironed out and they're going to get better. People slag me off because I was a little bit louder than our guest, Dan Moylan of the Square Ball Podcast, who, by the way, said the following line, Tyler Adams is fast becoming a folk hero at Leeds United. Now, if if that's not the kind of thing that makes our Sally field American brains tingle a bit. I don't know what is. Um, so like, well, he's, it makes total sense. Like if you think of like that fan base is probably, you'd say that's kind of like a blue collar fan base, yeah. right? Working class. So like, so think of like the qualities of Tyler Adams, the player. I mean, he's probably what I haven't looked at the metrics in a while, but I know throughout much of the season, he's been top two, three in, in like, actual distance covered. He never stops running. He's like that midfield bulldog who just like wants to run in and break up play. And, you know, he's, he can attack. He's, you know, you see him come to the defense of Brendan Aronson. He's like ready for a fight at any moment. Like he just has every quality, hardworking, like bulldog attitude that like any, any fan base would fall in love with him. So and it makes total sense that a blue collar one would. So good. I think it's great, and I love that the Leeds fan base has like they've noticed those qualities in them. It's a smart fan base. They get it. Yeah. No. So so that that video is done done very very well. We have over a thousand subscribers, but we've got way more than a thousand listeners. So I need everyone who listens to the podcast. The link is in the description of tonight's podcast. Go and click on the YouTube link, subscribe, and turn the notifications on. Can't say it much clearer than that. There's more content coming to that channel. The animals, of course, have started slagging me off already. Slagging me off. 
they put one of them put up a picture of a desert. <laughs> it's actually funny. A picture of a desert. And he said, uh, I think they called it like the caught offside YouTube page. Um, but someone said uh, there's there's too much uh, growth or there's too much like um, foliage or, or, or grass in this desert. <laughs> And he goes, well, I'm just putting a bit of grass to represent the one video that is on the YouTube page. But like, I don't know what these people want. It's Wednesday. I put this out on Monday. Um, Look, I'm with you. Every marathon, JJ, begins with a single yeah. step. Oh, oh, God. Don't Tony Robbins me. Don't you dare. Uh, but but you're right. It, we're just getting started. And, um, and we're getting st- This is all laying the groundwork for the World Cup. All right? Don't people understand what's going on here? There's a World Cup in three weeks. All right, we're getting all of our platforms in order, all of our ducks in a row, and then the content will flow. All right, yeah, exactly. But that's what's happening. Yeah, exactly. But but also, um, I'm going to be doing another interview. It's going to go up on YouTube as well. Actually, I don't know where I'll put it yet. Probably YouTube, but it's with the authors of Messi versus Ronaldo, the new book that's mm-hmm. coming out. Uh, Jonathan Clegg and Joshua Robinson, the authors of the Club, which was about the Premier League, a wildly popular book, and I am so excited to talk about that because this book. Uh, it um it gets inside the i suppose the last 15 20 years almost of football and of um of the two people who have dominated the sport so it's pretty uh, pretty impressive stuff that is those are two big names i think you you've gone big and i get it and i respect it there's a cat behind there you. is a cat behind me who's going absolutely mental cuz it's late at night it's after the after the phillies um after the world series game so Cats go mental at this hour, Andrew, let me tell you. Well, if I start sneezing, this is the reason. Uh, there you go. Get that thing out of there. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, do all the things that JJ's told you to do. All the subscriptions, all the platforms, all the rating, the reviewing, the subscribing, all those things. Uh, in addition to Champions League Talk, JJ, MLS Cup Final, it is this weekend, so we'll do a little bit of previewing of that as well before we get out on this podcast here. Uh, but let's start, like we said, Champions League. The group stage is set. We have our group winners, we have our runners-up, we have our Europa League contenders, and we have those who have crashed out of Europe altogether. Um, where to begin, where to begin? I guess, JJ, we'll, we'll begin with Spurs. It was probably the, the high drama moment of the past couple days in the competition. Um, I don't know I don't know how this season is going to wind up for Tottenham. Uh, I don't know if it will be remembered fondly, poorly. It's all kind of... Every week it feels like we're at a crossroads with how how it's going to go for them and how we're going to remember all this. Um, I do know this. It's it's the most mentally conflicting season I think I've ever experienced with them. Like, you watch them play. You spend a great deal of the match in a state of, I guess, varying states of frustration and angst. Um, and then they win. And, like, their third... In the Premier League, they just won their group in the Champions League. And yet there's this like permeating feeling through the fan base of this club that like it's not good enough, which on the surface sounds it sounds weird to say like Tottenham. They're a big club. They're definitely a big club. But like they're not so big that being third in the Premier League and winning your Champions League groups isn't something like this fan base should appreciate that. But having said that, I get it. As a fan of this club and watching this team in every game they've played this season, like I get it. It is weird. This is this is as weird a season for them as I've ever experienced because like the stats and everything tells you good 
this is good. We should be having a good time. But we're not all having a good time because it's just been weird to watch. It's been clunky performances. One day I'm going to have to explain this to my my children and my grandchildren. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, JJ. I, I might need your help. Yeah, I, I, I think, first of all, a few caveats to what you've said. Spurs haven't beaten the big teams, but they've beaten everyone else. But even within those performances against everyone else, there's been a sense of frustration because they haven't been very good. And the first halves, the toughest part for you to explain to your grandkids is, is that is those first halves. They are, they are so hard to grapple with and so hard to understand because they're pretty terrible first halves. Um, so I, uh, have you seen the film Black Sheep, Andrew? With Chris Farley? Chris Farley. Of course. All right. Chris Farley and um, was it David Spade? David Spade. Yeah. So there's a line in that where a number is said, and it, it always made me laugh. From the first time my friend Ronnie showed me the film in college, he said, this is my favorite line. So Chris Farley and David Spade are driving down the highway and uh, nitrous oxide is seeping into the car. So they are high as kites and they get pulled over by uh, a state trooper on a motorcycle. So he, he rolls down the window and Farley starts blathering on about what they're doing. And, and uh, the cop goes, how fast do you think, how fast do you think you were going? And he goes, Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, 60, 65. And the cop stops and he goes, seven, seven <laughs> miles an hour. And the minute you hear, it's just it's just the incongruity of him saying seven. And ever since then, I just, it, it makes me laugh, that line. And a number hasn't made me laugh so much until I looked at uh, John Muller's tweets on Tottenham. Uh, <laughs> this is their first half completed passes. Andrew, six final third completed passes in that first half against Marseille. And all of them were going the wrong way. None of them were. (laughs) (laughs) None of them were going towards goal. Like Christ almighty. What is this? Right? Like, so you get it too. Like the results are good, but, but yeah, what is this? It's weird. No, they, it's very weird. The, the, um, the assistant coach, because Conte was in the stands, uh, yeah. and the assistant coach said after the game that, I think he said something about, well, we told them at halftime to press more. And that changed the performance. But uh, that first half, six, and all going the wrong way. <laughs> I sent this to you. I'll read it out now on the pod. Dan Kilpatrick, who covers Spurs, um, he had a, a great tweet about this because we've, you know, on this podcast, on on you know many outlets, the the Conte Mourinho comparisons have happened just ne- because uh, it it feels like there are similarities there. And Dan Kilpatrick said this. He said, for all the talk that Conte's approach is similar to Mourinho's, it's the opposite. Mourinho Spurs went for it, established a lead, and then sat back. Conte Spurs sit back, establish a deficit, then go for it. <laughs> I, it's exactly what's happening. It's, He's right. So so how did you feel when, when Chancel and Bemba's – and let's give Marseille credit for the goal. That's one of the best headers you will see in terms of – I know he was unchallenged. Spurs decided that marking was – you know, marking's not cool anymore. Don't Don't worry about that. 
but he hung in the air. He had real Jordan-esque uh, hang time and he buries the header. Did, did you not automatically think this is, uh, this is just, we're going to spurs this up? Sure. Sure. Of course. Who? I mean, I'm only human. Yeah. JJ. <laughs> I mean, this is the history of the Tottenham, but by the same token, like this, this is kind of what they do. Like, like Dan Kilpatrick said, they establish a deficit and then they go for it. Now that's playing with fire yeah. and you know, they've gotten burned, but like, look what just happened this past weekend against Bournemouth. They went down two goals. Now at Marseille is different than at Bournemouth. Um, but I don't know if Tottenham see it that way. Like they, they, I don't think they ever feel like they're out of a game. So yeah, like I thought that, sure, this, there's a good chance that this ends terribly for them once they went down a goal, but there's also part of you that thinks, okay, well, they've, they've gotten out of these jams before there's still, what was there at that point? That was in the, like the 50, when was that? It was just after halftime, right? So, uh, or just before halftime. Um, so there was time for them to recover and, and they did. Um, so I don't know, like, I don't know that they can, they can't keep going like this. Something's got to change. It's very strange that they can't start games with any kind of aggressiveness or desire, passion. I don't know. Call whatever you want. Any, use any buzzword. It, it, it's just a very weird thing. Is there any sense that... Um, um, but they fought back is, and they got it. Is there any sense that this is like a tactical quirk from Conte where we... It has to be, conserve right? ...conserve energy and then because of the frequency and volume of games that they're looking... And I mean, this was something that was tweeted by um, Miguel Delaney. No, he didn't say he had inside knowledge that this is the tactic, but he said he was suggesting maybe Conte is trying to conserve energy in this half of the season, get to the World Cup, get players back, and then and then really really go for it. But I mean, that feels that feels weird. But like the sample size is too large now. It can't be a coincidence anymore that they just start every game poorly and then turn it on when they need to. Like. It's just too many games where this has happened. It's a whole season. Yeah. Um, even the Leicester City game where they scored six, right? Like they were down in that game. So you know, Sun scored a hat trick in like the blink of an eye in the second half, and that changed everything. But like, even the game they scored six, they started poorly. So it, there's something in the DNA of the way this team plays that it can't be a coincidence. There, you're, maybe he's right. Maybe there is this conscious decision to conserve energy early on, and then when when it's money time in the game, you turn it on. It's, it's weird. It's weird. Can I also ask you uh, your thoughts when you saw Pierre-Emile Hoiberg striding through the center of midfield with only one Marseille defender, although another one sprinting after him, and he's the one. Like, it was such a great finish from him. But yeah, did you, did, off the post, did yeah. you expect it? Him to score? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's having, he's having an incredible season. Like, really, like a transcendent season. Uh, for for the player that he is and like the way he's kind of leveling up this season so uh yeah he scored a few this year not known as a goal scorer but I think that was at his third or fourth goal this season um so yeah I mean I kind of did actually the way the field sort of opened for him Um, that's right up there what a feeling that is right up there in Tottenham's top five six moments of the past 25 years wow you think so I mean even if they had ended in a draw, they were still through. Oh, I know. But to win the game like that, just spectacular. Really spectacular. So now you're going to challenge me. You're going to make me sit here 
and bring this pod to a screeching halt while I consider their top six moments of the last 25 years? Is that what, that's what's well, happening? That's I, can, I can come up with more than, than that'll bump this one down. Do you think so? I think this is huge. I really, I, mean, I really do think that the just the joy, the pure, unadulterated joy this caused. I think, I think that's that is rich. Oh, sure, but like from from Tottenham's 2019 Champions League run alone, there's three. Right. Lucas Moore against Barcelona. I picked the moment against Man City in the second David leg, Bentley, and then Lucas Moura. David Bentley versus Arsenal, and then Gareth Bale's goal. I would put. I would even put Lennon. In that same game against Arsenal, Lennon's equalizer to make it four four, and then throw in I mean, throw in uh, Harry Red, Jonathan Woodgate against Chelsea in the in what was then the Carling Cup. Um, a European games I mean, top Carling Cup games, Andrew. Come on now, that was a final though against Chelsea at Wembley. It's the last time they won a trophy. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, maybe I do care. <laughs> uh, I was going to anyway, say Bale uh, and you the want to challenge me? I'll, I'll give you a list. Bale in the inter games. We've got our list. That's six. There you go. Easy. All right. So foolishness from you. Utter foolishness. Uh, yeah, I mean, back to Pierre-Emil Hoybier, uh, man of the match performance. 96 minutes, a goal, five interceptions, just under 90% uh, pass accuracy. Um, so, I, you know, he, he I don't know who actually won man of the match now that I now that I mention it, but he'd be it for me. Uh, by the way, a, a, an honorable mention, I got to say, the Marseille fans, I mean, what is going on? Like. The watching the scenes of the bus to the stadium and just like the like the tunnel of flares that the fans created along the sides of the road, just like you talk about going into a cauldron, unbelievable. And the firework display—it was Fourth of July at one thirty in the morning outside Tottenham's hotel. Like that wasn't just some rinky-dink fireworks show; that was like Disney World stuff. Those fans, like in the end, didn't work out for them. They didn't get what they wanted, but. They they left it all out there as much as the team did. What a performance. My God. Um, it, it, the scenes were unbelievable. That stadium, since it's been renovated, is just fantastic. I mean, it was probably great before that too, but such an atmosphere. I, I, absolute cauldron. Now, I know the fans have been, they've been naughty boys and there's been bands from the stadium. And uh, sometimes it's they've played in front of an empty stadium, but unbelievable support, tremendous support. One other thing on Marseille I wanted to, to ask you. So Tottenham's goal, the winning goal, did come in part from Marseille pouring forward. And like they only had one covering defender. And as we know, on 90 minutes at 1-1, Marseille would have still been in European football. They would have still um, gone to the, uh, to the Europa League. But their manager said, and Julian Laurent of ESPN tweeted that, the players didn't know that at 1-1 they were in third. Uh, Julian Laurent tweeted, the fact that the Marseille players didn't know that they were third in their in their group in the last minutes of their game against Tottenham is just incredible. How can you not tell your players? And the manager admitted it as well afterwards. I, that to me is insane. I mean, it's not, like it's not hard to get the correct communication or the correct, state of the group onto the field to the players but now you're I get, what, what are you what are you implying though well they were pouring forward in huge numbers and leaving massive gaps right so like in that game state there's a good chance that they're going to lose and concede and lose everything which is what happened 
So if if the players don't know or don't have some kind of concept of where things are at, now, someone can argue to me, Marseille were going for it. They were going for themselves to win the game and to 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 qualify for the Champions League for the next round themselves. I, I get all that, but I don't know. I mean, the, well, the goal... Maybe this is what... Maybe this is why I could never be a manager. I would have done nothing differently yeah. than what they did. Not a thing. I will look. This is no sled on the Europa League. That is a that is a competition that I value. There's been years where Tottenham been in it and fans say, "Oh, what a waste of time." No, 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 no. Not a waste of time. Good competition. But you've got five minutes at home with your crowd cheering you on against what you have to think are a tired opponent at that point. You got five minutes to secure advancement to the Champions League group stage. A club like Marseille that doesn't get these opportunities very often, uh, all you need is a goal. You need one goal. I would gladly risk Europa League participation for the chance at getting to the, the round of 16 in the yeah. Champions League. For the, for that, that chance of scoring one goal to do that, I'd risk it every single time. It, 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 it Look, it burned them. They got bit by it. Now they're out of everything, and that's that's unfortunate. That sucks. But uh, I would have done nothing different. You got to go for it. Yeah, you have to. I see what you mean. It 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 does remind me though. It's obviously not the same scenario, but it reminds me of one of my favorite stories. Final day of the nineteen ninety five ninety six season, Manchester City. They're in like a three way relegation race. They play Liverpool at home, and they need to. Well, they need to know because. They need to know what's going on at the other grounds because they need to know if a point's enough. They need to know if a win is enough. They go 2-0 down and come back in the second half, equalize 2-2. There's 11 minutes left. And this is the days before the ubiquity of, of the cellular phone. So there's no check in Twitter. There's no, there is no Twitter. There's no way to know except radios. And on relegation days, or final days of the season, supporters used to bring portable radios in and they would have headphones or they'd have them on their shoulder and they'd listen to the scores from the other games. So false information goes down, trickles its way down to Alan Ball, the Manchester City manager and his coaching staff. And he tells the players that a draw is enough. A draw will keep them up. And so they're carrying the ball into the corner and they're holding the ball up because they think a draw is enough. This is incorrect. Niall Quinn's been substituted after an hour, and he's gone actually into the locker room, and he's had a shower, and he's put his shirt on, and he has the TV on in there, and he's getting grandstand or whatever show was on, which is updating the scores. And they're going, right now, as we speak, uh, a draw and Manchester City are relegated. He comes running back up the tunnel in his in his civvies, in his his shirt and his suit pants and everything and runs down the sideline to tell them. And they've already, uh, Alan Ball's team, uh, they've already wasted so many minutes. And they draw 2-2. And U- Uwe Rostler was the striker at the time for City. And he said, um, I, I know um, I know we found out with a few minutes left, but we wasted so many minutes just trying to kill the game at 2-2, thinking it was enough. Oh, my and God. And City were relegated. <laughs> How can that happen? Yep. How can that be different to time, different world, man? Nineteen ninety six. It might as well be eighteen ninety six in terms of. Uh, I guess. I mean, like math still existed. 
Some but don't like, make your de- there were ways of communication. Don't make tactical decisions based on something a rumor that's circulating around Main Road. <laughs> don't do that. It's not wise. Um, one other note on this one before we move on, JJ uh, Sun having to go off early after an ugly collision. Uh, there are reports now that he will need surgery. Yeah, um, fractured. This is ice obviously socket. bad. Yeah, this is obviously bad news for Tottenham, especially up front where they're already without uh, Kulisevsky and Richarlison. Now, both players who I would assume are, are due back, I don't think those injuries are, are going to keep them out that much longer, but you never know. It's just funny that it's like what was a position uh, you know, a month ago that they had too many guys, they couldn't figure out like who to start and who to sit. Now they don't have anyone. Yeah, <laughs> like, boy, life comes at you fast. Like Lucas Mora, get back out there. We thought your time here was finished, but no, you're, you're, you're integral again. But JJ, that's not even it. Uh, like, yeah, I think of, I think of players. If I made a list of players who not participating in the world cup would just be just like the most brutal of blows He'd be high on the list. Like South Korea is a, it's a good soccer nation, but right now I'm not going to say that it's, you know, what was it that Pep said about Tottenham, that Harry Kane team? Yeah. Like it's not, that was, that wasn't entirely true. Tottenham had a lot more than that. And Man City found that out the hard way. But like South Korea, I would say is right now it's that sun team. Like, again, it's not entirely true. There are good players there and South Korea is, is a good team, sure. but like, but like, they're not that big of a footballing nation and son is so clearly the face of them. And to just suck him out of this world cup would just be such a cruel blow to a, I mean, we've seen the way the fans rally behind that team and they'll do it anyway, but just like, boy, that's got to dampen the excitement so much. Now there's a report that I saw tonight um, that there's a chance he could still be available for the world cup, just wearing a mask. Um, We've seen that happen before. Lots of times. In, in other sports, certainly. Joel Embiid did it last year in the playoffs, came back way earlier. What do you miss? One game or something for the Sixers? Um, you know, so it's it's a risk. Um, but, uh, like, if you're South Korea, I think you got to bring them. You know, I, I just, like, you just think about other nations. Like, okay, if Brazil lost Neymar, that would be devastating. But you'd still look at Brazil and be like, okay, well, that sucks. That's a tough blow. Still great, though. Still could make a run. Like South Korea are one of those teams that are like, okay, with Sun, who knows what kind of World Cup run they could have. They maybe they get hot, maybe they're into the round of sixteen, good good draw, quarterfinal, you never know. Uh boy, you take him out of the equation, that's that's a killer. That's a killer. Yeah. And that's that's tough for him. That's really tough for him because you know what this means to him to play for his country. Oh, it's huge. And um and look, he, he seems he seems like a a genuine guy and a guy for whom this mean, would mean so much. And, um, and and even if he was a terrible person or just a bad guy, it doesn't matter. Like, this is, this is the World Cup. It'd matter a little. I, I wouldn't <laughs> be feeling the same level of sympathy. You know what I mean, though? You want to see the best players at the World Cup. And yes. um, it'd be a real shame if he wasn't there. And also, well, I saw, he's 30. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, this is... Like he's got another one in him, but sure. in terms of prime son, like the best version of son, might this yeah this is this might be peak sun. Sunny delight. Yeah, this is uh, twelve noon, right when when the sun is at its highest. Yeah, we can keep going with there this. Um, hmm, where can I go with this? You know, <laughs> I, I saw JJ that um, you know Ben Showell also hamstring injury today uh, in the Champions Left on League. crutches. Now he he he's now likely a doubt. 
for England at the World Cup, who are already without a fullback in Reese James, also of Chelsea. I mean, ew, Chelsea and England both being dealt simultaneous blows. Um, I, I saw someone tweet this. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, and I also can't remember who tweeted it. So if it was if it was you out there, I apologize, whoever you are. But like, we're now in this portion of the season, and, and with the World Cup schedule, and like where the two are starting to now merge where it's it's now become it's cruelest. Like when Miles Robinson got hurt, that was really cruel. But like it was an Achilles injury months away from the World Cup. Like that just sucks. That's a devastating injury though. Like that's it's it's a normal injury to keep someone out of the World Cup. But because of the way that the season and the World Cup are bumping up against one another, JJ, we're now at the point where minor injuries, nothing injuries yeah. in the scope of a season, injuries that mean nothing that would keep a guy out for a game two games, something like that. Those injuries at this point now, those are going to keep guys out of a World Cup. Yeah. That's that's crazy. It's not right. No. It's just so cruel to the players, to the teams, to the fans that have spent all these years supporting and waiting for this World Cup. A little knock for a player could keep him out of the World Cup now. It stinks. Uh, it's. Um, I think that was Jamie Carragher that tweeted that. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yes, I think you're he right. He had a bit of a rant on, not a rant, why am I calling it that? It was, he, he was asked for his feelings by Kate Abdo and, and and he reiterated his stance that it's crazy and it's crazy just to have this volume of games. Like, the Champions League is over and it's the 3rd of November. You know, there'd the, be another month of this, ordinarily. It's all been crammed in together and that kind of frequency of games it's rest and recuperation are so important for soccer players, but I'm afraid this isn't the last we'll we'll have seen or heard of it before we get no. to um before we get to the actual tournament. You're sadly correct. Like it's it's a guarantee. And and as we get closer, a couple games still to go before now and the end the, the break, like the injuries they they'll become even more minor and potentially even more devastating in terms of what it means for World Cup ramifications. It's too bad because, um, like you said, for the World Cup to have – it's always going to have great credibility and mean everything. But for it to have, like, maximum credibility, you it, it's got to have the but best players playing. This tournament is already and, at a credibility deficit. It just is. And there's no amount of talking it up is going to change that. So not having the best players there or every player that can possibly be there because of it, the very spacing of this tournament – in the calendar is dreadful. The World Cup of depth. You want to win this thing? You better have a deep squad. And I think that's that's probably the, the, how it will be remembered, uh, depending on how the injuries continue to unfold on, uh, between now and then. Um, a couple other Champions League notes, JJ. Um, you know, if I think of some of my winners for this uh, for this Champions League. I mean, we just talked about Tottenham. I think, I mean, just look at the Premier League. You had three clubs win their group, and the one who didn't, Liverpool, actually had more points than any of them yeah. uh, on 15, finishing in a tie with Napoli, but just behind them on the tiebreaker. And they beat Napoli on the final match day, which was Napoli's only defeat. You know, if I think about Liverpool and just like the, sne- like the sneakiness of this like they're in this season right now domestically where it's kind of like they're down we'll talk about Klopp in a sec you know his agent is having to answer reports about him potentially stepping away saying it's not true like it's been that kind of season and yet quietly you know you look again at the the table in the Champions League and and there they are 
we've we've gone on and on and on about Napoli this, Napoli that. They look like a, a real threat to win this thing. Same record as Liverpool, same number of points. Liverpool beat them at the end in the final game in the group stage. So Liverpool in this competition, they're they're doing it again. Yeah, um, I I thought Napoli were unlucky. The 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 offside system that's been used now, which is incredible, ruled out a goal for. I mean, it was offside. This I trust the system, but it was so tight, and Napoli could have been one nil up, and uh, and then you're looking at a different game. But it was in terms of morale, it was really good for Liverpool. Uh, they changed formation back to the four three three. Kanati came back into the side, um, and looked good. Um, but yeah, I, I I just think you know the league form is your indication of where you are at in the season, Andrew. And the Champions League Cup competition, I, I don't take take anything away from Liverpool, and I I would certainly think that, you know, come next February, it's, oh man, it seems so long away, but in February they have a real chance of doing something because just because of the nature of the competition, and we've seen bad Liverpool teams do very well in the Champions League before, even go on and win it. So, yeah, I I wouldn't read too much into it. Napoli were home and hosed. Um, but uh, no, in terms of morale and for what Liverpool needed after some two terrible results in the league, Nottingham Forest and Leeds, both defeats, it was good. But that's as far as I'd leave it. I wouldn't take it any further than that. Uh, another winner here, uh, I would look at Portugal. Even though Sporting came up just shy, they do still qualify for the Europa League, which for them is important. They can maybe make a run there. But you got Porto and Benfica both topping their groups. And Benfica, especially in a group with Juve, and PSG, I don't know how many people would have predicted that beforehand. They look like a real threat. Yeah, um, I thought Benfica were fantastic throughout the, the group stages. And uh, and to go out to Maccabi Haifa, and I, they're obviously a stronger team, a better resource team than Maccabi Haifa. But to put in that performance and to score six goals is very, very good. And to um, and to put the cat amongst the pigeons now for PSG, who have, who have to go into the weaker side of the Champions League draw and, and potentially face a full early in the round of 16 that they didn't want to that is a that is a tantalizing little wrinkle to this uh to the draw that's coming up on monday yeah you're right it also works in the reverse i would say there are a lot of teams who won their group that are quietly praying right now that uh they're not drawn against that team true true and when you see what mbappe did tonight for his goal to the juventus defense he mean he's been dragged out of and he still stays on his feet and just bends this amazing shot into the bottom corner. Uh, they are a scary proposition, but um, but they haven't helped themselves in the group. It wouldn't it be terrible for them not to capitalize on this brilliant form from Messi? Now that Messi's yes. in this great group, or in this great groove, for them to go out in the round of sixteen or or the quarterfinal or something like that, because. Well, just because of a bad group stage would be would be unconscionable. Yeah. Um, as a fan of the sport, as a fan of Messi's, uh, you don't know. I mean, you see the reports about Inter-Miami with him. We'll see. I don't know what's exactly to be believed at this point. But the, the fact of the matter is, we don't know exactly how many of these Messi seasons we're going to have left where he is going to be thriving like this in a, in a major European league and in the most major club competition of the champions league. Um, just, just as someone who loves him and wants to see him continue to do this, 
that would be that would be a little bit of a bummer to see him uh, out in the round of sixteen playing at his at his pinnacle. Yeah, there was one run he went on where he's just taking on defenders and he cuts inside and he whips it on his on his left foot and it just goes over the bar and he apologizes to Renato Sanchez who is in front of him because he should have slipped the ball to him, which is something I haven't seen him done before. Or he does do it, but it's usually... Well, apologize? Yeah, he just went... Oh, he just holds his hands up and he kind of goes, yeah, sorry, sorry, I saw you a bit late. Shouldn't have done that. But he's uh, he's in a groove right now, and you're right. It's um, As much as I don't want PSG to win anything, ever, um, I, you know, I still want... I still love the idea of Messi lifting that bigger trophy one more time. I do think he deserves another one. Could you ever, I'm I'm just thinking now about um, Messi apologizing to someone for not playing them a ball. Like the way you'll see, like when Bale wouldn't feed Ronaldo and Ronaldo would just like throw a a complete tantrum on the field. I'm trying to think of like the, the hilarity of the reverse of that. Like who out there has like, the stones big enough to do that, to like gesticulate that way to Messi. If Messi didn't play them a ball, like I'm trying to think has, I'm trying to think of something like that has happened. I would love to find an example of like a nobody who's on as like a sub or something like losing his mind over a legend, not feeding him a ball late in the game. Yeah. I, I, I always think of you say a nobody who comes on in the game. I always think of the, about, about the preseason game where uh, Harry Redknapp takes his West Ham team to play some like some Sunday league team or whatever it was. And um, because it's West Ham and it's preseason, a crowd follows them and there's a West Ham supporter. And all he does is abuse Harry Redknapp and says, why are you doing that? Why is he playing? He's rubbish. And Harry Redknapp says, all right, turns around, told the kit man, get him shorts, socks, boots, and, and sub him on and see if he's any better. And this guy who was like just a regular bloke comes on the field for West Ham United. How'd he do? I think he did all right. (laughs) I think he said, he was interviewed once with Harry. I think he said he had a chance where he nearly scored or something. A ball comes in and uh, he made a run. But imagine that guy coming on and like just, just running over to Ayal Berkovich or John Harton and saying, listen, give me the ball, give it to me to feet. Or throwing his hands up at him when he doesn't get a pass right, you know. Or if like they're if they drew like a penalty and he's like fighting them <laughs> for the ball. Hey, <laughs> if you're in that scenario, if you get that op- opportunity, you got to push all your chips to the middle of the table and just go for it, right? Yep, that's it. This is this is the culmination of a life right there in front of you. Um, let's see. Before we get out of uh, some of the Champions League winners and losers, one other thing because I, I did reference it about Klopp. Um, how, you know, because of the way the season is going, people look at Klopp, they think he looks tired. Um, they just wonder, I know you've talked about the cycles, you know, maybe this is the end of one, maybe it makes sense. And so this, the talk, whether, whether it makes sense or not, the talk of him potentially stepping away has, has kind of started. Um, and, you know, his agent had to come out and say that it, there's nothing to this. He's not going anywhere. He enjoys the backing of the people in charge of the club. Of course he does. Um, but I actually, you know, you know, JJ, sometimes my, I don't always have the most love for Jurgen Klopp. I call him the moner in chief. He he does a lot of things. That, oh, that's that so good. You should write frankly. headlines for CNN. 
the moaner in chief. Yeah, MIC. Um, but he actually said something in reference to this that I thought is just it's just perfect. Uh, he said, people look at me and they say he looks tired or whatever, but I'm not. I cannot give that excuse. My job is not only to be here when the sun is shining and somebody gives us a trophy. My job is to be there when we go through a really rough period, and I will do that with all I have. That's exactly what you want to hear. Like, this is, you know, uh, and we talk about Klopp sometimes as having a lot of sore loser behavior in him. But I actually think that, like, that quote is is tone perfect of just like, yeah, like, it can't, it's not always going to be great. And if you had, like, what would that say about Klopp if at the first sign of trouble, he's bang, he's out of there? No, and I so, mean, good for him. Yeah, and he's re-upped his contract as well. He 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 obviously believes that there's there's more to come. The question for me is not Klopp. The question is whether the owners have the the stomach to go and overhaul the team one more time for him. Because it it does to me it feels like if he's going to go on and take this team to an, to another Premier League, let's just leave it at another Premier League. Andrew, there's going to have to be money spent, and that is not the way this, these owners have operated. And the question becomes then: Are the owners like wasting wasting really good Klopp years? Because I think Klopp. Like, there'll be no extension after this. Klopp, is, in, in the interviews from early on um, in his career, he kind of taught, when he started to get success at Dortmund, and he, he talked about how his father died young. And he, he had no intention, he has no intention of, of following that route. And I think he's more likely to be laying on a beach in, in Marbella than he is to be on a sideline. And that's why I don't think he'll take... Boy, that's hard to picture. He's so competitive. Uh, it just seems like it's just so in him to do this. Do you not think he he does? He does. I, it's I, it's hard to what I'm about to say is hard to imagine when you see the intense character in his post game press conferences, particularly when Liverpool have lost this this big competitor that you talk about. But in other interviews, like he talks about different parts of his life. He talks about like kind of like his faith. And he talks a bit about, um, I don't know, he, he seems to have interests outside of football and he seems like a relaxed guy for an intense character. I know that's a kind of a juxtaposition, but yeah, I, I, could see, I could see him being quite happy not being on the sideline, ranting and raving at Sean Dyche or Pep Guardiola or whoever it may be. If he wanted a job in media, he'd be great at that. I mean, he's so charismatic. I would. I'd listen to him talk soccer. I. Um, I think. I think he'd be great. I'd love him and Mourinho on a panel. Oh, that would be good. Honestly, that that would be good. Yeah, that would be very. Mourinho is a, at this point now in his career, is a brilliant analyst. Um, because remember, didn't he work for, for BN or someone at the, uh, at the Liverpool Barcelona the comeback game in twenty nineteen. This remontada. This remontada is called Jurgen. And he was really, he was just very engaging. Very, very good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, finally, a, a couple losers from this Champions League group stage. I mean, look, Real Madrid won their group, but ultimately look no further than Spain. Sevilla and Barcelona both both finished third in their groups. They're both out. Atletico finished fourth. They're out of Europe altogether. 
I mean, this is this is stunning to be moving on to the groups to the knockout stage of the Champions League with only one La Liga team remaining. Wow. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, Antoine Griezmann's tweets, not tweets, comments to Marca uh, were interesting. Almost kind of like he's really bought into the, the cult of Simeone. If you only win one match in the group stage, you don't deserve anything. Not the Champions League or round of 16, nor the Europa League. Now it's time to shut our mouth, mouths, work and fight. We are at his service to work. It is a pride for us to work for him and play for this club. But we have to show it on the field. We have nothing to say to the fans. Just thank you for your work at home and away to be able to hear them. They don't deserve this. I mean, they were... they. This is a new low for them in the Simeone era. They were just dreadful, Andrew. Absolutely dreadful. And they're setting a record now for... I mean, I think... This is the first time they've lost all their games in the Champions League group stage. And Marca's front page was Los Dias Mas Negros del Cholismo, the darkest night of Cholismo. So um, the darkest night for, for Simeone. I guess, I guess it must be. And I, I hate to be a broken record, but, you know... He, he gets paid somewhere close to 40 million euros a year. I can't even believe it. Every time you say it, I feel like we need to fact check it. It's such huge money. And they're, and they play, they've gone over the line now. It, it used to be depressing football, but you'd win. And now it's depressing and you don't win. What's the point? Uh. I don't know how it can happen. And it's not just that they, like, he is a great manager. I do genuinely believe that. And like, you know, they're third right now uh, domestically in La Liga. Um, They're loaded with like, they do have a great squad. There's a lot of really good players there. Yeah. They're, they're definitely underperforming. If you were to look at wages and salary uh, and transfer fees and, and in some cases talent, but I don't know, maybe he's been there a long, long time. Maybe it's time to time for something new. Hmm. I'm not there yet. Jeez, I am. I, and I ah, I don't know. You think of the like. Look, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm the guy who would hang on too long, and maybe you're you're seeing things a little more clearly. Um, but I I just can't help but think of like what he's where like the heights that he's brought them to um you know winning winning the league what was it two years ago yeah. uh taking them to multiple champions league finals um yeah i don't i don't know i wouldn't i wouldn't be so quick to let him leave i don't know i don't I, th- know. I i i think it's uh i think it might be for time for a change wow hmm. that's that's strong. That's the hard hitting stuff time, that you get here. Time on caught off. Time to get rid of the uh, the Tom Waits lookalike on your sideline. Uh, let's see. Anything else, JJ, from the Champions League? Um, just a couple of things. I'll zip through. Uh, Shakhtar, no fairy tale for them. Leipzig really ran riot and weren't engaging in any hands. Christian Anderson. So uh, Shakhtar will play in the Europa League though. Um, Manchester City's Rico Lewis, Andrew, becomes the youngest player to score on his first uh, Champions League start at the age of 17. Took his goal very, very well. Um, as well as Alvarez's goal for City, which was a beaut. 
And, and just a quick one for you. So Celtic got thumped by uh, Real Madrid in the Bernabeu. Um, yeah. Valverde with the pick of the goals. But it's a, it's a soccer etiquette question I have for you. How hard should you celebrate when you score a goal to make 5-0 become 5-1? So, so Jota uh, scored a lovely free kick past um, Courtois for Celtic at 5-0 to make it 5-1. And he celebrated almost like it was an equalizer. He did a little little fist pump thing with his arms and looked genuinely very enthused to have scored at the Bernabeu. And I get that. But when you're losing 5-0, maybe you just grab the ball out of the net and go to the halfway line. Theory, uh, Thierry Henry absolutely crushed him for it. He's saying, oh, I'm stunned. Yeah, <laughs> Thierry Ornery um, was in full effect on that one. I'm just curious, Andrew. Like, if you're a supporter and you see that, I don't know. So I think this is where oftentimes we talk about how um, there will always be an inherent disconnect between supporters and players. Like oftentimes we'll, they'll be aligned in many ways. They all want the same things. They all want to win. Um, they all want to hoist trophies and be a part of parades. So like, Oh, sometimes it's aligned, but there are certain situations where they're not to a regular Celtic supporter. Seeing that would make me want to vomit. <laughs> what are you celebrating? You bum. We're getting our ass absolutely handed to us, and you've got the nerve to celebrate. Who? Who do? You, what's wrong with you? It would infuriate me. The disconnect is, he's what a twenty-three-year-old Portuguese kid, essentially, yeah. who just scored. Like Celtic probably were never going to beat Real Madrid. They're not that good. No. And like he just, he might have even in the midst of a beatdown, on an individual level, he might have just lived out a dream come true, scoring a goal in the Champions League in that place For against sure. that team. So, like, again, a fan doesn't really care about his specific childhood dreams coming true. <laughs> they care about being humiliated in a game. But for him, I'm not going to hate him for it. I'm not going to go Thierry Henry on him for it. Yeah, that's fair enough, I think. Uh, so that's the Champions League. Um, I forget when the draw is. The draw? Draws on Monday, Andrew. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll know. Yeah, the group winners will be away in the first leg. Ties to be played February fourteenth, fifteenth, at twenty one and 21st and twenty second. Return legs will be played March seventh, eighth, fourteenth, and fifteenth. So it does does feel like a long, long time away. Think of how different a place this world will be. Aaron Long will be a World Cup champion <laughs> the next time. The next time these UEFA clubs are taking the field for a Champions League. Well, match. soccer. Soccer Santa John Ham is certainly uh he's certainly pushing that narrative in the adverts. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I enjoy those when they pop on the screen. I saw Ryan Rosenblatt tweeted uh Fox have just gone all in on the fact that this is a Christmas World Cup, even though it ends a week before Christmas, but whatever. Yeah. It's a Christmas World Cup rather than talk about any of than you know, even talk about a football narrative beyond beyond Santa, John Hamm, and the letters he's receiving from American kids about winning the World Cup. Interesting choice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fox Fox have long believed that there's been a war on Christmas, so this is their chance. Wondering if there's some sort of Thanksgiving theme that they could have gone with. Hmm. Pilgrims, maybe, like... There's a danger, though. You're trying to talk up the U.S. men's national team, and, you know, there's a turkey around. Yeah. Nobody wants to be the turkey 
I, I something there with like they were still technically British colonists, right? Yeah. And now we're going to play England. Yeah. I, I yeah, mean, I expect yeah, them. There's, there's a murkiness there. Christmas maybe is the safer place. Well, I think they're going to ramp up the, 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 re- the historical rhetoric, the 1776 stuff for the Black Friday game. I, I'm sure. Oh, well, they've always done that. Remember, there was that famous uh, poster before the 2010 World Cup of like, it was like the recreation of the, the famous painting of George Washington crossing the Delaware. And they had kind of they'd subbed out George Washington and the other uh, revolutionary fighters for for the Americans and and subbed in like it's like Clint Dempsey and like it's a great poster if you get a chance to see I it. Have maybe the, we'll look for it. I have the poster. ESPN had a number of posters. You have it. I had it. It got destroyed in Sandy. Um, oh, it was downstairs in my friend's basement. So I I took it off uh, New Jersey. It was falling out of the frame of a new of a NJ Transit train. And it was ES, and I was like, I'm not leaving this. I'm taking this. So it was an ESPN. Um, po- was it a magazine cover? No, they had they they commissioned like seven or eight different posters for that oh, World yeah, Cup. Yeah, and one of them was Landon Donovan at the front of the boat, and it was Table Mountain in the background, and he had a flag, and it was like Washington crossing the Delaware, and then they had another right. one with Didier Drogba on top of like an elephant or something like that, representing like African Sierra, um, uh, Cote, Cote d'Ivoire. And, um, what was the other one they had? But yeah, they had, they had a bunch of them. They were, they were beautifully were done. Absolutely beautifully yeah. done. And that one was, I was so proud of that one. And the fact that I went on to work for ESPN then would have made it even more amazing, but it was downstairs in the basement and apparently the waters rose and uh, that was it. Ten years ago, just uh, what was it? Last week. Ten years ago, last week. Yeah, Hurricane Sandy. That was that was the worst. I had just gone back. I'd gone back to Ireland at that point, so um, I I came I came the following year. But um, yeah, awful, awful. And this it was the worst. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awful, and uh, not not an anniversary that was greeted with any joy in these parts. No, no, certainly not. I was in Queens at the time. Not a part of Queens that got hit all that hard, but other parts of Queens got ravaged uh, in that storm. Yeah, 10 years ago. Boy, wow. doesn't feel that long ago. Uh, All right, let's move on now, JJ. Last thing we wanted to cover here before getting out on this podcast. This is the big one. MLS Cup Final 2022. And what, I mean, what a game. Like, I'll say it again, what I started saying over a month ago, that like this is kind of the final that you wanted to see, other than your own specific team being in the game whoever for whoever you support out there like this is these are so clearly the two best teams in the league all season long. You could even extrapolate over the last few seasons, you know three, four, five seasons, obviously the sounders n y c f c um, I'll, I'll maybe even I'll throw Toronto FC, you know, they would all have something to say about that, but on the basis of just relative consistency, I mean, these two teams have been building towards this moment for a number of years now. Um, if we had gone through this era without this final happening, it would have been a bit of a bummer, but here we are, we're getting it. And, uh, it'll be of course in LA this coming weekend. Uh, what a game this should be JJ. I, I'm, I'm sure I know I have thoughts. Where do you want to start with this kind of, uh, the game itself, uh, keys for both teams. Uh, no, Andrew, uh, we're we're going to uh, 
we're going to forego that just for one quick second because unfortunately the big talk ahead of this final um, in the last few days at least has been surrounding the travel situation going to uh, Bank of California Stadium on Saturday. It's, yeah, how can this happen? This is from ESPN. Uh, fans traveling to Saturday's MLS Cup final at Los Angeles Bank of California Stadium will have to make do without any parking at the event. LAFC confirmed on Tuesday. LAFC will host Philadelphia Union at 1 p.m. local time, but the University of Southern California's college football game against the University of California, Berkeley, next door at the LA Memorial Coliseum that night means MLS showpiece event will have to play second fiddle, at least when it comes to parking. So there will be no tailgating outside the bank for the final. Um, There will be special shuttle services and bus services that LAFC and MLS are encouraging fans to take that will take them straight into the ground. From Dodger Stadium. Yep. Yeah, they're encouraging fans to make the trip using Metro or free LAFC park and ride shuttles from Dodger Stadium or rideshare apps. Um, it, it's a bit... What else, I mean, and, and it also... So fans will be able to park at Dodger Stadium from 9 a.m. with buses available to shuttle fans. The roughly six-mile trip on a constant loop to Bank of California Stadium and back to Dodger Stadium after the match. Those looking to tailgate before the big game will be disappointed, however, with no tailgating allowed at Dodger Stadium. Oh, my God. Which is a horrifying rule, might I say. Uh, I would say it's un-American. Decidedly un-American. So what are they going to do? They get absolutely tanked. Then get on this bus, go to the stadium, go straight inside, I guess. I mean, what else? But that's the thing. They can't get tanked. There's no tailgating allowed in the Dodger Stadium parking lot. Well, they'll have to be tanked before before they get to Dodger Stadium. Caught offside does not endorse tanking. Um, I mean, look, that place will be packed. The fans will be incredible. It's an amazing fan base, obviously. This thing. Um, but they have they're they're really putting them through the ringer here uh, to to make this happen. I'm sure you know the tickets for this are not cheap. It's a very expensive ticket, uh, and then to kind of have to go through this, it's it. Look, it sucks. Like this, this sucks. Six soccer m- once again getting the shaft in this country. Just the way it is. It, to be a soccer fan in this country, you put up, you just put up with a lot. I mean, it's a, it really is. Fans of this sport, I just have such, such respect for American soccer fans. I really do. You care so much. You deal with, with all the nonsense stuff like this, the paywalls. You pay all of them. You know, you wake up. People in California who are fans of the Premier League, you're waking up at four in the morning to watch your team. I mean, there is just not, like. There's just not fans like this of other sports in this country. The commitment that it takes to be a fan of this sport in this country, it's unparalleled. Props to all of you. Yeah, I mean, the biggest World Cup qualifier we had last year on ESPN, and there was there was no pre-game. pre-game. We went almost yeah. straight to kickoff because the Wichita Wild Hogs were playing the Boise Boars in yeah. a Division 7 Wiffle ball tournament, <laughs> like or whatever that was before that game, unbelievable. You turn on your TV, you think United are going to be playing Arsenal. No, it's Meekum. <laughs> oh, pour one out for Meekum. Ah, God bless. Oh, him. how I miss the days. Oh man, <laughs> Meekum. Oh, sweet, sweet Meekum. Um. 
JJ, let's talk about the yeah, game. Yeah, let's now. do that. I mean, it's just like, you know, the thing that strikes me about this final that makes it so fascinating, look, going into every final, I'm sure every team believes we can do this. We're better than them. We can do it. But like, this is one where I where I genuinely feel both of these teams truly believe that they are better than the other team. And like, so with that being the case, you know, like common logic tells you, I think both teams are going to just do the things that they do. Like, I don't see either team necessarily changing the way they want to play to try and, you know, strategize around what the other one's going to do. Um, now for LAFC, it's interesting because like for them, it's, it's, you know, they're, they're so good because they can beat you in so many different ways. Like, I don't know necessarily what the hallmark is of like the LAFC style this season. No. Um, for them, you know, ultimately I look at that front line and I just wonder, okay, that front line for them, who wins the battle of strength versus strength? Cause like that front line is, is lethal Vela, Arango, Buanga, or Opaku, whoever they, you know, I'm sure Opaku will, will make it on at some point. Um, and that Philadelphia defensive line is is phenomenal this season. Um, so strength versus strength, like I just can't wait to kind of see how those two do, how those two match up against each other. Does LAFC try to exploit them maybe down the left against Mbazo? Uh, you know, maybe they can draw an early card against Jose Martinez. You know, he's always he's always good for one of those. Um, the the one big thing that I look at for LAFC in this game, um, and there's a, survive the tidal wave. Right. Like we know how the union can score in bunches. The numbers that they put up this season are stupid video game numbers. Look what they did to NYCFC just last weekend. Two goals in three minutes, three goals in 12 minutes. Like NYCFC, they take the lead. Here they are. They think, oh my gosh, we're going back. No, gone. It's gone. Don't allow a bad situation to snowball because there is a good chance that they, that LAFC will concede a goal in this game. Keep your heads. Like maybe after the restart, try to hold possession for a few minutes, let the game resettle. You know, just like don't just do not allow that situation to snowball because it's how the union have just overwhelmed so many teams over the last portion of the season. Uh, so that would I guess that would be kind of one of my big keys for LAFC. Yeah, I, I think if you accept. That LAFC will have more of the ball because the union are quite happy to allow teams to do that. It's key that they make the most of that possession and still yet guard against that union counterattack. And if they can create good chances in possession and Vela can thrive, then it could be the home side that wins this. But it's going to be interesting to see how a veteran defender like Giorgio Chiellini can deal with the runners and the energy of the union and how he tries to curb uh, Carranza, who I think was absolutely brilliant in the Eastern Conference final. I'm so curious, can this guy put two high-performance performances back-to-back? Because if he can... Oh, Carranza? Yeah. I mean, he's had a great season. A, like, I don't think that, like... Yeah, but Andrew, he had everything there. He hadn't scored since August before last weekend. But he had everything there um, uh, last week, I thought, against uh, against New York City. I thought he was absolutely classy. He held the ball up. He ran the channels. He scored. He set up an, He set up another goal as well with a clever, deft header in the box. I was hugely impressed with him. And he's he's going to need to be that good again, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, yes, I would agree. I mean, they're going to, it's going to have to be all guns blazing for the union. The, you know, LAFC are phenomenal. It's at, in LA. It's going to be very difficult. Um, the things I look at with the union, um, tell me what you think of this. Like, I would say, I feel bad saying this. I really do. I almost don't want to say it, but oh, just say it. Like, don't, don't force it with Bedoya. 
I know that's harsh. Like he's, he's like a heart and soul more. member of this team. And he's still a really good player. But, like, we've seen teams fall into this trap before. Diego Costa, Harry Kane. Like, look, the union, they know better than me. They see how he is in training. They'll know if he's playing, I'm going to trust that, okay, they must have seen that he's good. And that, like, he'll give him, you know, he's not going to give him 90 minutes, I'm sure. But I'm going to trust them. I'm just saying to, to just, like, be careful there. You know, like you're going to have to manage this one with your head, not your heart. And that's, that's a tough thing to say for a guy like him. Who's been so integral as a leader on that team to, you know, to their rise. I think the evidence um, of the second half, Andrew says that you start, I, and I know it's a risk because Bedoya brings so much experience, but he's not a hundred percent fit. I think you go with uh, Jack McLean. McLean and he's only yeah. 19, but I, you, the evidence of the second half against NYCFC, his ability to pick passes, his energy in the midfield, I think he brings a different dynam- dimension. And I don't, think, I don't think he'd be scared at all by the prospect of playing it. No. So do it. Yeah. I don't think so either. I mean, look, it's a, to me, it's a fitness question, though. Like, if both players, if they're both fully fit, you start Bedoya. But the union are just going to have to try and determine, okay, what percentage health could this guy be at where he's still worth starting over McGlynn? I mean, he was... I mean, that's... That's a tough question to answer. He was struggling after 15 minutes of the Eastern Conference final. You were saying in a week that that much is going to change? I don't think so. I think yeah. I think McLean uh, gets the nod. Yeah, but it's just interesting. Like, you look at the union. They had four players make MLS's team of the season. They're, they're one of the few teams that can really match LAFC talent for talent. Uh, if anything, they're, this group of union players might exceed the talent of LAFC. So, like, with them, just play their game. Like I said, like, they don't really need to change for anyone. Effective pressing, you know, balls over the top into space, reversals from one side to the other, those diagonal balls that they're so adept at. And then, like, this is one of those old tropes, but I don't care. Like, great players in big games have to perform. Gazdag. Gazdag. One of the best players in the league this season. Really, JJ, I would love, maybe this exists already, but, like, I would love, you know, one of, one of like, the big MLS voices like the like the real experts Matt Doyle's people like that I would love a deep dive on like the greatest examples of deep scouting in this league's history because I feel like Gazdag has got to be top three on that list he was in like you know it was Hungarian top tier but like his team was battling for relegation like it was just such it's just looking at what this guy is now and like the best player on a on maybe the best team in the league we'll find out this weekend just like where he came from and how quickly this happened. And, and the union knew it. You know, MLSsoccer.com had a great story up last week uh, about, you know, Ernst Tanner, Jim Curtin. They called this guy. I mean, they really recruited him. And it's not like he was a player that all the teams uh, around the league were banging down the door of. Like, they, they scouted this guy, and they just knew his style of play fits what they want to do. It was just brilliant deep scouting. I would love to see a list of, like, other examples of that in this league. You know, and, and through all that, somehow he was left off the list of the five finalists for the Donovan MVP award. Scored in the Eastern Conference final, like I, I feel like this becomes like a, a, a you know a prove it game essentially, like a chip on the shoulder kind of game. Oh, you don't think I'm you don't think I'm a top five MVP candidate? Let me show you on the biggest stage. Uh, so I can't wait. I can't wait to see that. And if we're talking about big players and big games and big performances and all that, Blake, Andre, I was going to say like LAFC. They're great, and they're going to get their chances, but can they beat this guy? He's probably the best keeper in the league. I think he was the keeper on, on the MLS team of the season. Certainly should have been. Um, I think he was. So, like, 
there's going to be moments where LAFC have golden opportunities, and this guy is good enough where he can maybe you know he can keep some of them out and keep this a close game or or the Union out in front. Who knows? We'll see. So, yeah, it's it's fascinating. I can't wait for this one, obviously, but you know, even as like just the soccer fan in me, not just the Union fan, it's it's a great one. Yeah, I know it's it's set up just to go back to Blake. It, I think he's going to have a lot to do, and I think if he can if he can make the crucial saves at the at the big moments like he did in the Eastern Conference Final, that'll be such a boon for Philadelphia away from home that your keeper can make those saves. He's capable of them. I I, I don't think they win that game. At all. I don't think they have a chance, actually, of winning that game if NYCFC go uh, go 2-0 up. And he makes that unbelievable save. And, and the union are in, they're just invigorated from that. And I think he's going, yeah. to, he's going to be key again. Predictions. I'm going to go, yeah. I'm going to go with mine first. No, actually, you're, you're, sure. you're the Philly boy. You go first. I've given it some thought. I've given it some thought. 2-2. Penalties. Oh my God. Union win. You really want to put yourself through the ringer. This is your self flagellation. It's not what I want. It's what I think. Oh, you want it. That's you're you're a freak. Misery is your best friend. Oh. Um I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two one. Uh one one at half time. No. One one after an hour. Hmm. Uh, and 75th min- minute winner for Philadelphia. Then a rear guard, mm. guard action for 20 minutes, and they close it out 2-1. I would expect the one thing I would expect in, in in any prediction of this game. Like again, both of these teams have great are, are really great defensively, but I believe this is a final where you can say there will be goals. Oh yes, there will be goals. I think so too, and I think also as well. There's one player, and I don't get me wrong, and I don't mean to open up a whole debate now, but I think there's one player in the league that it's very hard to to replicate, um, and I think it's Carlos Vela. And so I'm curious to see what the union do with this guy, how they set about stopping him. Um, but I think it, I think it's going to be very tight. I hate giving a final the big build up, but these two teams deserve it. I really hope this game doesn't fall flat in its face. Um, but 2-1 to the Philadelphia Union. Uh, last question I have, you know, obviously the, the mid-season LAFC signings, Chiellini, Bale, they stole the headlines. Um, Chiellini has been a, a, you know, a very impactful signing. Bale has not. And now there's some fitness concerns. He was on the bench in the Western Conference Final. Um, we know Bale's history in big games. He often shines even after having seasons that are less than whatever we expect from him. Well, here here he is once again finding himself in a final. Uh, but with these fitness concerns, I wonder if can he play a role? I wonder if he'll even want to. We all know Wales is at the top of his pecking order. I he he may not want to risk any game time at this stage with the World Cup just a few weeks away. It's really been a terrible signing. Just, I mean, apart from the fact you can see, I'll take the L on this one. I thought I thought he'd be great here. Did I get it right? I think I got it right. I, actually, I didn't get it right. I thought he, I thought 
the template was set when he came off the bench against Real Salt Lake and scored scored the goal. And I thought, 75 minutes, you're going to see Bale. 75 minutes, you're going to see Bale. Now you hardly don't you hardly see him at all. Um, I'm sure the warm weather. I'm sure the the um, the medical care and everything has been very good for him. But now we're here and he's got niggling injuries, so I don't know. It's just disappointing. And the idea that we're going into MLS final and uh, cup final and we don't know if he'll play is uh, is disappointing. Chiellini, on the other hand, curious to see how the old man can do. Um, and he's got some fitness concerns too. Yeah, he has. I think he'll be all right though. I would think so too. Yeah, I think he'll play for a final. Yeah, I would think so. They'll too. get him through. Should be great. I mean, this, like I said, it's just two fat, two great teams um, who have gone about it in such different ways. I, I do wonder if this will in any way be viewed as almost like a referendum on the right way to build a team. I don't think so, but you know, I, I think probably more so for the union, they would love they've already validated the way that they've gone about it. I think they're in some ways, they're the kind of the envy of the league with their Academy, their scouting system. Um, but it, it would be kind of an interesting validation for teams that don't really go out and make the splashy signings. If the union can do that to a team that, like we said, just went out and splashed big money on um, Chiellini and Bale. Um, conversely, the other side of this last bit, I'll say on this one player for LAFC, you know, we talk about the, the Velas and Arango, like all the, the big names there, but Another big name that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle, Kellen Acosta, um, like a guy who so badly wanted to go to Europe, was disappointed with how that played out, you know, thought he missed his chance. Maybe he has, but still a potentially cool moment for him um, that, you know, his his route through professional soccer has, you know, not necessarily gone exactly the way he wanted, but sure enough, now he finds himself in a major cup final and a chance to hoist this trophy. That would be a, a really it would be a really satisfying moment for him, I'm sure. Um, so, you know, you know, I'm always rooting. I, I enjoy Kellen Acosta quite a bit. So you do indeed. You enjoy yeah. his free kicks. I've, I've, I've heard you. I've heard you react to them. So that's yeah. it. That's the final set. Let's go Saturday night, 4 p.m. Eastern. Can't wait. Absolutely cannot wait. Uh, boy, JJ, this was this was another big one. There's a lot going on in this sport. Like we said, Champions League group stage is uh, it's over. And uh, on to the knockout stages. Of course, our World Cup preview, you know, we'll start we'll start ramping up as we get into uh, – we're getting down to it. Still a lot of club soccer, though. Caught offside cup this weekend, JJ. That's right, Andrew. Caught offside cup. Will – you see, will you be watching it live or will you be DVR mode? That is the great question. Because if you're watching it live, is there an opportunity for us to do like a live stream thing? I will do my best. Okay. I will absolutely do my best. Here's what I can tell you. I have, how do I put this kindly? I have used a lot of my collateral when it comes to me, like taking command of the TV or afternoons or whatever on the Phillies run to the world series and the Eagles being undefeated. Um, I have to pick my spots right now. Okay. Put it that way. All right. So that's a, yeah, that's about, that's probably the nicest way I can say it. You get what I'm saying. I, I know what you're saying. I, I, there is a, I, I won't call it. My a, family is, my family's not thrilled with me. Put it that way. No, but they never were. They're a huge, <laughs> huge disappointment. That's beautiful. That's huge disappointment. That's so nice of you. Um, no. Uh, uh, let's, that's, a, that's a beautiful way to end this podcast. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, hey, 
everybody yeah remember everyone subscribe continue to subscribe continue to tell your friends uh jj has been tirelessly behind the scenes working on on all of these things i cannot thank you enough also on the merchandise angle oh my god and and by the way our listeners have come up big on that on that on that end so hopefully we'll have more information on that soon that would be uh that would be a pretty cool thing so yeah youtube keep your eyes open because jj's got this interview coming up um, with the Messi Ronaldo authors, that should be great. Uh, hey, this was awesome, man. As it always is to you, I say. Check you later, fun boy. See you, man. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 